Hi and welcome to Dedox Talks the Dedox a podcast where we talk to some of the world's finest leaders about their detox rituals and how they maintain continuity in a world of noise and chaos how they make sure that the criticism that the world puts on them doesn't affect their insight and they still continue to perform as well as they do thanks for tuning in this is Kunal Sundirmani and you are listening to Dedox Talks the Dedox with Philip Andrew Barb on the podcast Philip is a two-time Emmy nominated producer having worked with Netflix CBS among some of the biggest names in the world uh he's also a performance coach welcome to the podcast it's a privilege to have you on hey thank you so much for inviting me on i just you know i always love to you know dive in and and figure out a little bit about the people that i'm you know talking to and we follow so many of the same people on on linkedin and our you know you know the steven you know the steven kotlers right with the art of impossible you know brant pinovic um nicole chance with the leaders of transfer like you're all over the place man like i'm excited to be here and and chit chat with you man thank you so much for having me thanks for making it so before we get right in what's your journey been like all these incredible titles and incredible stuff you worked on you know what it's i i think anyone that has been doing anything for a substantial amount of time right when 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 you're younger you always want everything to happen so immediate and you think that everything's going to be just step a step b step c and like now I'm a multimillionaire at 22 and it's uh you know the one thing that you know we you you have to learn the hard way right we all think that we're going to be the exception to the rule but there's so much of it that's just been making the right next decision making the right next choice trying to make that next little thing and it's always you know so many people talk about it but it really is doing the little the little things each and every day that are kind of marching you down the line towards what your goal is um and so you know for me i you know i grew up in detroit uh detroit michigan and i was always a kid that you know i enjoyed i enjoyed entertainment uh you know the hollywood the glitz and glamour los angeles it always kind of spoke to me a little bit and um So I actually, you know, I I had always kind of done, you know, did media productions, camera work through middle school, through high school. But when I got to college, I went to Michigan State University, and there was a part of me that was very very intimidated in in border, you know, honestly, I was kind of scared to dive into entertainment. Um where I'm from, I didn't know anyone that was in entertainment. I didn't know anyone that had done a career like that. So when I would say, when people would ask, you know, "Hey man, what do you think you're going to study?" and i'd be like oh tv and film it would always be this like oh well do you know anyone how do you do that don't you have to go to la and it would it would be this barrage of questions that i did not at 18 19 years old i didn't have the answers to those things i didn't know how i was going to try to move to la and be a producer and what is that even look? so i was always very intimidated So I actually when I got to Michigan State I started out as a business major because then and I was interested in business but the nice thing about business is when you tell people you're going to get a business degree they go oh cool smart and that's the end of the questions they don't ask you anything else um so you know luckily for me I ended up just starting to take more and more and more of those classes that were that were TV based entertainment based how to do camera work writing that type of stuff and I just really really fell in love with it um and then it moved out to Los Angeles and just kind of started at the bottom you know met a guy playing basketball and and we were kind of you know 
talking about what I wanted to do, where I wanted to go. He helped me out a little bit. And then eventually I was able to land my first job on a show called Undercover Boss for CBS. And then just kind of continued to continue to work and grow and get coffees for people and take, take the late shift and work the 14 hours and do the difficult things. Uh, and it's still the journey, right? Like I've, you know, I think it's really easy to overlook accomplishment and I, I appreciate you bringing up those things because it's always a good reminder. Um, but you know, the journey is definitely not done and, and there's still, uh, still more work to be done and, and more things to, uh, more things to go after. That particular instance you spoke about when when deciding to take the leap and it, it's just super overwhelming, especially when it's something that you feel an alien to. <laughs> so in that case, when you were taking the leap, what was the self-talk when there wasn't as much uh, background support as there would have been for a lot of other things and taking the leap onto something you believed would be a right fit and just all the toxicity that comes in from everyone around. What was your self-talk through that? Yeah, great, great question, right? Because the, the self-talk can either be our our biggest advantage or it can be one of the most uh, devastating, uh, devastating uh, dream killers for us, right? Those things that we say to ourselves. Um, I'd love to say it was just... Uh, I, you know, I lucked out being from Detroit. And at that time when I moved to Detroit, it was 2008, 2009. Uh, the economy in, in, in the U.S. was really bad, kind of, you know, similar to who it is now. I knew, hey, I'm going to struggle in Detroit. I might as well struggle in Los Angeles by the beach, right, and get a tan. You know, a big part of my story was I, I did have some issues in my, in my young teens uh, where I actually you know, kind of struggled with uh, substance abuse issues, uh, was using alcohol as kind of a, um, as a crutch to deal with some of the insecurities that I had in life and some of the difficulties. And, and, you know, the, the true story for me, or the, I'll get, not the true story. Well, it is the true story, but the quick story is, you know, 18, I ended up getting arrested uh, for an alcohol related charge. 19 got arrested, 20 got arrested. And, and I was actually getting ready to move to Los Angeles the first time go around when I was 22 years old. And 11 days before I was getting ready to leave to go to LA, I got arrested for a DUI, which is a driving under the influence of alcohol. And that forced me. Uh, I was stuck in Michigan. Um, I kind of had all these, you know, I was an overachiever in a lot of areas of life. And I was letting some of the accomplishments in my life overshadow the fact that I kind of had some, I had a lot of the insecurities and destructive behavior that was kind of spiraling and, and, and kind of going on underneath everything. And so the success was over, I was letting the success overshadow something that was really devastating. Um, luckily for me, I never hurt anyone while I was doing it, but it was it was loud enough that the uh, that people noticed, and it was no longer I wasn't able to hide this issue anymore. So actually, I had graduated college when I was uh, 21, um, and it ended up having to take a year of staying in Michigan, staying around friends and family to try to get finances together, and also I got sober, uh, so I no longer drink alcohol. I've been sober now for you know 14 years. Um, I got really plugged into the, you know, into the 12 step community and, and learning how to process a lot of things. So there was a bit of, I don't know if I would have, like, I really don't know what those first couple of years would have looked like in Los Angeles. Had I still been dealing with so much of the, the anxiety and the fear and the, and the insecurities that I was, that I was masking with, with alcohol. 
I'm very, very lucky and I feel very blessed that for me, I was able to start attacking some of that stuff at, you know, 21 years old, 22 years old. And I was able to start getting some healthy, healthy self-talk and actually get some healthy uh, support around me. Because at that time, that's really what I needed. I was so conditioned to feeling like you can't ask for help and I need to prove myself and I need to do this all by myself and I need to do it alone. And that would have been very disastrous for me as it can be for others. The beautiful thing was because of what I ended up getting, you know, getting presented with was I ended up being surrounded with people that were willing to pour into me. And I was just lucky and willing enough to shut my mouth and listen to people that I was able to get a lot of support. And that really helped me with a lot of that, that self-talk. Um, so, you know, specifics, you know, I, do I remember the self-talk, right? It's a lot what we deal with. You're not good enough. It's not going to work. You're not smart enough to go out there. You don't know anyone out there. You should just stay home. All of those things. But then in being able to build community and get around people that were there to encourage me, I started to be able to, to see that, hey, if somebody else has done it, I can do it. Uh, I've had success in my life. I can build on that success in Los Angeles. If it doesn't work out, I can always come home and that's okay. It's worth giving it the shot. And I think that that was some of the, it was more of a, it was just an overall feeling of optimism and ability that I can succeed. I don't, I didn't know how it was going to play out. I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't even have a place to stay when I was leaving Detroit to go out to Los Angeles, but there was an overall optimism and belief that it was going to work out. And, and that so much of that came from surrounding myself with important and powerful community. I love that. Everyone has a certain amount of resistance when trying something like meditation. I know I did when you're trying to just being a little too hard on yourself. <laughs> oh, totally. It's, a lot of, yeah, for sure. Like you don't have to stay on the beam. You can return to it if you get off. There's a part of us because, you know, or I'll speak for myself, right? There's a part of me that if I, if I waver a little bit or if I fall off on something or, it, or I make a, a wrong mistake, I'm so quick to highlight the failure and feel like, oh my God, this is the evidence that I've been looking for, that it's never going to work for me, that I'm not as good as I, right? And when the truth is like, if we amplified our successes as much as we amplified our failures, oh my goodness, we'd be in such a better place, right? There's, because we all have so many examples of it, but what we have to realize is, is not holding ourselves like, yes, we want to set good standards and high standards and we want to be able to achieve and we want to be able to strive for a lot. We are ambitious people, right? When you want a lot and you're willing to do things, when you're the type of guy who has a podcast at 18 and you've done the speaking, you've done wrote a book, like you are an ambitious guy. We are ambitious people, people listening to this podcast. You're probably super ambitious, right? But I think that there's also ambition is amazing. But there also needs to be a moment where what I always like to try to say is I want to live at the intersection, at the crossing mm -hmm. point of where absolute ambition is coming together with complete contentment. 
And, no. and it's not easy, right? I say it, it's a lot easier to say living there than it is actually living there. Cause it's hard because normally one thing overrides another, but I do try to picture that visual thing of, I would love to be able to maintain my ambition, keep wanting to strive, keep wanting to take on new challenges, but also understanding that like where I'm at, what I've done, the person I am, the man that I am, like he's okay and he's good where he's at and he's where he's supposed to be. And that level of, that level of contentment is, I mean, yeah, every every philosopher, every religion and ever created talks so importantly about contentment because we could go off and achieve everything and not feel fulfilled because we haven't embraced the ability to be content and okay. We get so wrapped up in trying to prove that we're worth something, prove our value in the world, prove that we're these amazing people that please someone follow me on Instagram, right? And <laughs> And it's like we try in when we have to just take a moment and actually embrace the fact that, look, I have a lot of amazing things that I want to do, but what I do is not 100% of who I am. And we, when we understand that those are two different things, there's a lot of people that have done a lot of really amazing things that do not have peace and joy in, in fulfillment. And when I think about where I want to be, in my life and at the end of my career, I don't want to have, I don't want to have a million accolades and have hated it the whole way through or not enjoyed it the way through or been a bad friend or a bad family member the whole way through. Um, so I want to try to live at that intersection of absolute ambition and complete contentment. I, I think that balance is so delicate and it's so important to find one that really fits for you. Looking over your journey very broadly and then also while at the same time looking at, at you right now, when today you're faced with the uncertainty, what's, what's the main difference that has come up over the time in the way you deal with anything that comes up that seems very uncertain in itself? I think for, you know, for me, I, as much as I hate to say this, there's times where I have to not trust myself, not trust what my brain is saying, right? My brain, when I'm faced in a difficult situation, you know, when I'm in, in my emotions or anything, there's a part of me that tells me, Phil, you need to figure this out on your, you're alone. You can't bring this to anyone else. You need to fix your own thing, fix your problem. And you, and do not tell anyone until you figured out the solution. There is a part of me that that feels that's where my brain wants to go. And I've learned at least enough that that's not the best scenario for me. Where I thrive and where I get the most inspired, where I am as you know, provoking insight is when I include people that I love and care about into the conversation. So for me, you know, I have a lot of community in my life. I have, I love to smoke cigars. So I've got my cigar buddies that we love to talk about things. I have, a, you know, um, I have a faith-based men's group that I belong to. So I have guys that I can talk to about that. I'm a, a recovery guy. I, I go to AA 12 step. So I've got not only my 12 step community that I can bounce ideas off of, but I have a sponsor and a sponsee. I also have a therapist right? I believe in having coaches. I mean, even for my finances, I've got a financial advisor. 
I try to treat myself as a business in a way and realize that there are there need to be multiple positions in the business and not one person can do all of the positions in a business, right? So when I understand that, I try to employ or utilize, I want to utilize as many people in my life that I can to help me make the right decision and also the most realistic decision. A lot of times when we're emotional, right? When we're, when we're stressed or frustrated or that uncertainty is creeping in and we start feeling fearful, when that comes in, our, it's almost as if we've taken a pair of sunglasses labeled insecurity and put the sunglasses on, right? Or, or you know, oh, I'm going to pick up my fear sunglasses and put those on. It completely distorts our vision when we allow those things to be there. When we have distorted vision of a scenario and we have distorted vision of that and we don't have any outside help, we're going to make distorted decisions. So what I like to do is I, I lean on my community. I take off those sunglasses. <laughs> I take off the, the fear or the uncertainty or the insecurity. And I go, you know what? I need to reach out to somebody. I need to let them know what's going on. I need to talk with somebody. Here's the thing. It's not always about going to other people because they have the answer for us. It's not always like, oh, well, I can't talk to my mother about business because she doesn't have a business degree. It's not, oh, I can't go talk to, I'm not going to go talk to this guy because he works in a different industry. He's not going to be helped. Sometimes we just need people to hold a space for us, for us to bounce ideas off of so that we can see it, we can hear it out loud, we can see things from a different perspective. And that allows us to unlock other information or see other things. We get the creativity flowing. And so for me, when I, like I said, when I am faced with those type of decisions, I do not rely solely on myself. I always employ other people. And, uh, and I love that because at the end of the day, that's who I want to be running my race with. That's who I want to be on this journey with. This is who I want to have with me when I'm, you know, nobody wants to get to the winner circle and be completely alone. We get to go with people. We get to take other people that we love and care about on our journey and we get to go on theirs and we get to support them and they can support us. And when we're doing it as a team, I think it's such a, a more beautiful thing. And I just get so much more from it. I, I love that. I think it's taking a plus one or a plus five or a plus 10 to the yeah. circle. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that's a great way of looking at it. I couldn't agree more. So specifically, there's a lovely idea Adam Grant spoke about in that book was about how very often we have a certain amount of know-how about what we do, which we develop. Say if you've been doing something for over a year, you end up developing a certain amount of know-how about how things work. But very often when you step back from that know-how, you realize that there was something that needs a course correction, that then that knowing it was limiting you from doing. So sometimes just forgetting what you know for the minute might help you understand what's wrong with what you know and just correct that out and just take the course correction by just stepping back from what you know. Yeah, I always having moments of re-evaluation, right? I think that there's there's a moment when that can be like I'll use it. I'll use a story. There was a time when, uh, you know, living in Los Angeles, when you're, you know, you're early on, you have roommates and, and I had a roommate and I remember my roommate was getting ready to leave. He was going to move out and I had a decision to make. Do I want to get a new roommate, you know, keep the, the amount of rent the same, or do I want to not have a roommate double my rent, but then I'll have the entire place for myself. Right. 
the way my brain works is it always is trying to find the answer. And is this right? Is this not? And it's always in hyper analytical mode. And so there was a point where I'm like, you know, if I'm day to day trying to operate and figure out if this is the right move, I'm going to drive myself insane. So I was like, you know what I need to do? I think it was coming up on, it was like, you know, it was at the time it was like, maybe he was moving out in February or March. I was like, I'm going to give myself through the whole of the, the summertime. I'm going to give it five months and I'm going to live alone for five months. And that means I'm going to take on the extra money that costs us for the bills, for the rent. I'm going to live alone. I'm going to really give it a shot. And at five months, if I realize that I hate it and it's too much of a financial burden, then I'll get a roommate or I'll know that I'll like, but I'm not going to evaluate it until five months is here. And I think that in what happened, right, was I ended up, you know, I, I loved living alone. It was not a burden. I love and it was it was such an easy decision. Like after I actually test drove what I wanted to do, it was a very, very easy decision to be like, all right, I'm not getting a roommate. I'm going to continue living on my own as I do now. But I think it's important for us to have that moment as you're talking about kind of that self, that that course correction. We cannot be course correcting every day or every week. If you are into fitness and you want to work out, you cannot change your fitness routine. You can't change your diet. Like you can't change it every single day because it's, it's like a science experiment that has way too many variables. You're not going to actually get any deep rooted results when you're constantly reevaluating and, and changing it on the short run. Also, you don't want to get stuck into a bad routine or a bad setup or a bad strategy for too long. So I think that it's really important for us. Like once you've sat down, once you identify, hey, this is something that I want to go after. A lot of us that are massively ambitious have a hard time choosing one idea, right? We want to have, we want to be, you know, people want to be a producer and an actor and an influencer, and they want to write a book and they want to, you know, and they want to do, you know, they want to go and travel and they want to be a travel influencer. We have all of these things that we want to do, which is, which is great. And ambition is great and it's fantastic. But a lot of times if we're trying to, if we spread ourselves too thin, we're not going to make much progress any of those places. One of the things, you know, people will get fearful of, oh my God, I don't want to, I, I don't want to choose yet. I don't want to choose this book because what if the book ends up not being the thing? And then, and then I'm going to be behind the, you know, or people do it with dating. Oh my God, like what if this isn't the right person? And then we go together for six months and then it falls away. And then, oh, I got to start all over. But the truth is, what we need to do is you have to be willing to go all in and set a time constraint on it. Build a strategy, say, this is the strategy that with the information I have right now, I think is the strongest strategy for success moving forward. And then give yourself a three-month, five-month, six-month, maybe a year time limit. And it's like, no matter what, I'm going to stick to the major points and tactics of this strategy. After a year, I can come back and reevaluate or after three months, I can come back and reevaluate whether it was the right thing or not, but I cannot be doing, Oh my God, what worked last week and what didn't work this week? And Oh my God, how do I change next week? And what's next week going to be and that, that small micro thought process will drive us nuts and it will burn us out. So 
I think that that's always something that can, that's been beneficial for me. It's been beneficial for my working with my coaching clients. And, and I hope it's, you know, beneficial for you or for somebody listening. I'm, I'm loving the analogies, just the comparisons. I think they're, they're really powerful in just getting through realizing that <laughs> the real element in itself. Yeah, just stepping back and not knowing it and then reevaluating, but then also not doing it too often. I love how Mark Zuckerberg phrases it. Uh, move fast and break things. You know, Mark was very successful at a very young age. And he obviously had a lot of a lot of turmoil, and a lot of stuff go on after his thing. Um, but I think sometimes for a lot of us, sometimes Mark is unrelatable. You know, I think sometimes we have these people that are massively successful at at 21, 22, 24. They sell these companies and they make all this money. And, and it's great. I'm not taking anything away from it. It's amazing. But I think for a lot of people, hit 30, 35, 40, 45, it's hard to relate to someone that got the, that had the success so early on. Um, Cause there is something of like, look, if you go to the gym and you work out and you start seeing success early, it's very, it's, it's very, uh, it's easy to roll. It's like, once you start seeing the changes and you start believing it's easy to keep, like the motivation continues to kind of grow on top of it. But if you went to the gym for a year and you didn't see anything, it starts to become difficult and demoralizing and you start questioning everything. So it's like, you know, I don't know if you have a lot of people that listen and you guys are, you know, in your, you know, 18, 19, 20, 25 in that early stage. I think it's great. Like have the ambition of wanting to chase getting, you know, know that it's possible to be, you know, to, to grow something very beautiful, like what, you know, what Zuckerberg did or some of these other guys did at young ages, but also understanding that, that the success does not always come on that type of a timeline, you know? It, and I guess the point is just like sometimes some of those people that got that early success, uh, it, it's, you know, you want to see the longevity. And sometimes it's about watching the people that like grinded it out for years and kept believing and kept fighting. And then they blew up when they were, you know, 45 or 50 or 60 or built that thing. Uh, you know, Colonel Sanders, I think, is a really big, you know, for KFC is a big, you know, fast food chain in L.A. or in, in America and uh, probably uh, everywhere. I don't know. Uh, but like, you know, he had been turned down by so many different places and he was like in his sixties, I think when he, uh, when he finally made it, my whole book was all the reasons I hate my 28 year old boss. And the book was all about ageism and, and being obsessed with age and where do we need to be at this time in our lives and at this age and should I be married by this or blah, 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 or, or how do you deal? Or, and also how do you deal with, if you are 45 working with all 18, 19, 20 year olds or vice versa. What, what are the advantages of being a 22, 23, 24 year old at a company where you have access to people that have been in the career in their careers for 20, 30 years. Um, and in there, I had an entire chapter about people that had massive and tremendous amounts of success early in life, as well as people that didn't feel that level of, of high, um, visibility success until much later into their, you know, 50s, 60s, and 70s. I, I completely agree on that. So today, when you deal with anything, any challenge, any anything that has a toxifying element to it, towards um, your mental state, anything that has a lot of stress associated with it, any really, really large projects that you take up, and look at it in retrospect through the multiple projects that you worked on, what are some detox rituals that you've built into to really help you stabilize through 
not letting that stress overwhelm the your ability to really take it up i think one of the things that has been very you know very beneficial to me other than having you know great people to re- to bounce ideas off of and to be able to share as we talked about earlier but i think you know journaling um journaling has been such a great a great tactic that i will use when i'm feeling stressed or frustrated is really writing things down and not just writing around you know not just writing down hey what are my thoughts about this or you know what what is what is frustrating about this scenario but also what is the fear that's here like am i magnifying this situation because is there some fear attached is it is it i'm afraid i'm going to fail is it i'm afraid that i'm not smart enough to tackle this task is it um you know i'm afraid that uh people are going to not think that i'm smart like i always try to i write about the scenario write about how i feel about it and then i always bring back is there any element of fear involved in this um and that always helps me kind of just have another layer of understanding about what is what are the different emotional factors that are impacting me as i go through this decision another thing that has really helped is is having the appreciation that you know i'm 36 years old i made a lot of mistakes when i was 22 and i made a lot of mistakes at 26 and i'm made the mistakes at 30 and at 32 and i've made mistakes at 36 and i know that i'm probably going to make mistakes at 40 and 45 and fi- and so when you realize that when you have that moment and have the humility to understand that you're not always right there's going to be mistakes you make it takes off some of the pressure of needing to be perfect of needing to hit every ball as a home run to to you know to like score every you know penalty goal like when you under in sometimes we have a tendency to make the you know right the old saying like make making mountains out of molehills we take little things and we blow them up because we don't realize all the things that are inter- impacting us we don't know about the fear of making the mistakes or about the fear of getting something wrong or about our desire to be seen as perfect or that we can't we don't want anyone to see us in a certain light because we feel like it'll make us look weak and and so we do these things that actually get in the way of us making the best choices and the best decisions and seeing things clearly and understanding that, look, there, there, there's always going to be exceptions to the rule, but there's very few things and there's very th- few decisions that we're going to make in our lives, in our careers that are the one decision that you can never come back from. You know, in golf, right? You can have a really terrible shot off the tee and that drive could be an awful drive, but you have a chance to to make it up on the next one. You know we're gonna make mistakes, but then you make it up on the next one. You know you're not gonna get a hundred percent of everything, so you just gotta focus on like giving your best effort. Did I make the right deci- Did I make the best decision at the time with the information I had? Yes, great. Move on to the next one. So once you realize, you know you need to give care to each decision, but when you realize that. Every single little decision is not a mountain. It helps to alleviate some of the stress and the pressure and that feeling that, oh my God, this is my only shot. And if I don't get it right, I'm going to screw everything up. And then my parents are going to hate me. And then my, I'm not going to have any friends and no one's going to read my book. And oh my God, <laughs> if we go down that rabbit hole, as opposed to, wait a minute, I'm feeling a certain type of way. Let me talk to the people I care about. Let me journal about it with myself. Let me think about the fears that it, it, that might be acting on me. Have an appreciation of the fact that like, hey, 
I make bad decisions or I've been wrong before. Maybe I'll be wrong again, but am I going to do my best? Yes. And when we can get to that place where we're just focusing on our best and focusing on giving our about, are we doing all we can? We can stop putting extra pressure on ourselves. Look, if you want to be an entrepreneur, if you want to be an influencer, if you want to be, if you want to chase success down, there is always going to be pressure. There is going to be stress at times. There is going to be enough things that the world automatically puts on us in your journey towards in a extraordinary life. That is going to be there for all of us. What is a choice is how much of that pressure we start to dump on our shoulders that we're putting there. Not the world, not the expectations, not having to live up to social media or this or that or blah, blah, all the external factors that are going to come at us no matter what. We can't always control those things. But what we can control, how much baggage are we putting on our own shoulders? How much stress, how much anxiety are we dumping on our own shoulders? And if we can get good at managing what we're in control of, there's a great thing in, you know, a lot of people talk about in serenity or in, you know, recovery circles, the serenity prayer that, you know, God grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and then the wisdom to know the difference. And when we can have that wisdom to understand what's in our control and what isn't, and we can be appropriate with our, the way that we look at those through acceptance and through, uh, through action, um, then I think that we give ourselves a really, really good advantage in being able to tackle life's uh, difficult issues that come up through business and life and career and relationship. Yeah, 100%. So moving to the rapid fire round, couple quick questions, answer them in the least possible time. Apples or oranges? Apples. Apple or Android? Apple. iOS or Windows? iOS. One thing you depend on? My family. Your favorite place in the world? With my family, but I'll say Los Angeles. One piece of advice that is not given as often as it should be? It's okay to be wrong. If you had a billboard in the middle of Los Angeles, what would you put on it? Hire me. If you had to put a quote on the billboard in the middle of Los Angeles, what would you put on it? Um, it's a Socrates quote, and it's basically, he who is not content with what he has will not be content with what he wishes he had. Your favorite movie? A Bronx Tale. Your favorite project? I worked on a science and psychology project. The one that we were Emmy nominated for, it was called Mindfield. Perfect. Thanks a ton for making time. This was incredibly fun. You know, Kunal, I just want to say thank you so much for, for having me on. And also to anyone that's still listening, thank you so much for hanging out with us this whole time. I know that you, there's a lot of things you could do with your time. And I appreciate that you checked out this episode. And I, I you know, definitely keep supporting uh, Kunal. He's doing a lot of really cool stuff. And keep keep checking out and, and seeing what he's up to. If you guys want to connect with me, um, my name is Philip Andrew Barb. You can find me on social media at, at Philip. Andrew LA. Um, and also if you, you know, Google Philip Andrew Barb, I'll pop up and I got a website and emails and all that stuff. So please, if you have any questions or comments, uh, get in touch with me. Let me know how you heard about me. I always love connecting with people and, uh, you know, whether that's coaching or TV, uh, or just to say hi and to watch my Instagram where I walk around and do a bunch of goofy motivational content with my shirt off. Uh, I would uh, love to connect with you guys. So thank you so much for having me and being part of the show. You just heard an episode on the Detox Podcast. Do not forget to subscribe on your favorite streaming platform, whether it is Spotify or iTunes. We are there.